0: I think this is the challenge most entrepreneurs have. They have a skill set. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a plumber, they're an electrician, they do countertops, and then they go and they start a business. And, like, well, I know how to do this trade or this skill really well, but I don't really know how to do the accounting and the sales and marketing and the hiring and all the other steps that are required to build a, a self managing company, something that doesn't require you to be there every hour. I remember when you first had someone coming in in the morning that you didn't have to be there at the 6 a.m. class and you were like, oh my God, I don't have to be there every morning at 6 a.m. What a relief. I get to actually sleep into seven or eight. It's crazy. So I, I think that we, we all go through that process. It's just the rate at which we decide to do that. Treading water is the same as drowning to people like you and me. You better start swimming. Welcome to I'm the One Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Green. Hey, Shauna.
1: Hi, how's it going, Rob?
0: Good, good to see you.
1: <laughs> you Th- too. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk about your business and we talk on a regular basis about it, but I'm excited to talk about kind of where you've been, what you're doing now, what your goals are, and then see if there's anything I can help with. I love it. All right. So tell us a little bit about your business.
1: So my business name is Unify, Unify Health and Fitness. I have been in business for about seven years. My background pretty much explains what my business is now and where I want it to go. Backgrounds in sports medicine, um, as well as more of the personal training, traditional health field, as well as more body work, manual therapy. So I really wanted to have a facility that could take all of that sports medicine, manual therapy background and pull it together into like a one stop shop type of place. So,
0: so you worked for a bigger company and you worked for a professional sports team. In the past, correct?
1: Yeah, a couple different companies.
0: And then you said, I want to go on my own.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And did you just open a big gym or how did you start off?
1: I started off more contracting. So I rented different rooms mm. in different locations. Um, and then also as like a subcontractor in many ways of teaching classes, as well as um, working for like semi-professional organizations that work with professional athletes, but they're like outside of a, like a traditional team format. So um, I worked with those athletes a lot, but it was always more independent um, driven. And then I just slowly started to like build more of a clientele base, did a lot of home stuff and it naturally grew from like renting a room in another facility. And then it grew into me having my own lease. So.
0: And then you got your own lease. You had that for a couple of years. Your first real lease, like your own space, Mm -hmm. and then about a year ago, year and a half ago, you transitioned to a bigger space, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. How big is the current space?
1: My current space is twenty four hundred,
0: and about half of that is gym. Mm -hmm. And what's the other half?
1: It's a recovery area, so I have everything from more of the manual therapy, massage type treatment rooms to um, recovery type tools like infrared sauna, cold plunge, red light therapy, compression boots. Okay. A little. Retail area.
0: Great. So you made the transition from employee mm-hmm. to self-employed, and now you're working on business owner. Is that Absolutely. fair? Absolutely. That's okay. the
1: exact transition I'm doing right now.
0: Okay. So let's get an idea of the size. So we understand that's 2,400 square feet. Correct. And it, the first lease was maybe half that, 1,200 square feet. About. Mm-hmm. Is that exactly. right? Exactly. So you doubled the size, added the recovery, added the massage room, some retail space, more of that now. So. That's kind of where you came from. And now where you're at now, you're doing about $20,000 a month in revenue. Does that sound about right? Mm -hmm. And then you're at 2,400 square feet. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then where do you want to take it? Where do you want to go next? And that's kind of a broad question, Mm -hmm. but give me like a one year and then maybe like a three year vision.
1: Then the next year, I really want to maximize my capacity. So lots of conversations that uh, we've had, obviously off camera, but I want to utilize the space I currently have. And I hope that I can add more space in as some of the areas that just haven't been, have been kind of underutilized, like take off, then it makes sense to add more space.
0: Okay. So So utilize the space you have right now. And then once you fully utilize that for some period of time, grow into what what do you see as your vision for the future?
1: Um, I want it to be a more of a complete wellness facility. So I have more people that specialize in certain things. So I want it to be a head to toe screening. So I want someone to walk in my door, be able to get blood work done. So we know metabolic health starting out, we know things that like make exercise nutrition, some of the fundamental health, Factors a little bit um, easier to manage and guide when we know that like internally everything is working the way it should be.
0: So you've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Why don't you do that right now?
1: Some of it is bandwidth, right? I am okay. heavy in my business.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> um, we're and- still in
0: the we're still in the entrepreneur. self-employed stage where you're in the business Mm -hmm. every single day working on the business. Correct?
1: Absolutely. Okay.
0: And you've got a handful of employees that they're they're like part-time teaching some classes, some, some specialists for some therapy. So you're in the business on a regular basis Mm -hmm you haven't had the chance to kind of pull back and be outside of the business and work on it. Is that fair to say?
1: Exactly. Because it's such like a people driven business that I have. It's just I've been very patient and methodical about finding the right people. So now I have a great set of trainers who complement what my mission is. And they have that education to stand on to be able to like reinforce it even when I'm not there. So that's been helpful. And then just getting more, uh, just networking on the community and finding those practitioners that I know would be good fits instead of just trying to quickly fill people in those spots. I want, you know, your first impression is everything. So, and I care so much about the people that walk in my door and that's why my, I've been able to grow is because of that retention. So I just don't, I want their experience to be the way I envision it, you know? So yeah, you um, want it to be perfect, right? Yeah. uh, Yeah. You
0: want it to be perfect. Mm -hmm, And you want everybody that you hire to do exactly what you do at the same level you do it.
1: Or yeah, the same level, but maybe different in their own unique. Sure, but that's
0: difficult. Difficult. It's hard to find because you have high expectations (laughs) and it's difficult to find people like that.
1: Exactly. Right. So
0: that's the vision you want to get to. If you had everybody that you needed right now, would you go do that today? Yes. Okay. So that's it. You're literally people away from going and building your dream and your vision. Correct. Yeah amazing so the money is good you know where you do it you know what you would do you've got a clear vision you just need to figure out the who that can help you with the people and then you can go do it
1: more or less yes that's great yeah
0: that seemed easy now you just got to find the who to no, help the with the people. Now,
1: Rob, you explain to me. Well, let's me. go over it. So let,
0: let's go over the business a little bit more in depth. So I like to think about it in a uh, business in, in three different categories, right? So I think it's sales and marketing. I think it's operations. And then we'll, I think about it as finance. So let's start with, um, start with operations first. Okay. Okay. So tell me about the current operations of your business. So let's see if we can find some areas and maybe you can make some optimizations.
1: Just in general, like my day to so, day. Yeah, you've got
0: you. Okay. Yeah, let's give an Correct. example. Let's use you. You're the primary driver of the labor. Absolutely. At the at the business.
1: Yeah. So the way that my average day and things set up and like the structure of my business is is I do. I specialize in a lot of small group personal training. So I believe in more like one-on-one personalized attention in a group fitness setting, which is a little bit unique compared to like other places that they kind of typically run more in a numbers game. Um, So I, I have classes. So I have about, I think about 26, 27 classes. Um, on my schedule now, and I teach still about six, 15, 16 of those. So okay. I'm slowly, but surely working on cutting them down. Great. Um, and these
0: are hour long classes,
1: hour long classes, correct. Up to eight people. Yes. Okay. And then mm-hmm. I do a lot of one-on-one sessions. So I have about anywhere between 35 to 50 hours a week of doing, um, in person, one-on-one typically an hour, that. correct.
0: Okay, and then you've got a handful of trainers yes. and specialists. Correct. If you added them all up, how many hours do you think those people work like on a weekly basis, would you say? 15, 20? Between all of them? Yeah. Because they're teaching Correct. 10 of those classes a mm-hmm. week, right? And then there's some specialists, maybe, I don't know, massage, renting, renting they use a space. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know you and I have talked about this before, but... Everyone listening hasn't heard this before about the capacity part. So Mm -hmm. you've got 2,400 square feet. Mm -hmm. You're the primary driver of the business. Mm -hmm. And even if you have eight people in the gym, Mm -hmm. you're still only – even if you use the entire half of the gym, you're still only using half of the gym gym from a revenue perspective. So – which you're really not even using the full gym probably – you're probably using three quarters of that space, would you say, or half of that
1: space? Probably in a group setting. Yeah. We're using the whole floor, the whole okay. but I have like a back area for stretch, like stretch areas, recovery. And then I have a, a big wing that could be could be used for sure. And
0: I know you're making progress on this. We're not going to focus on the gap. We're going to focus on the gains you've made, <laughs> but there's still an opportunity here. Okay. Um, so while you're teaching right now, you're using half a gym that's leaving. the Maybe somebody could be using the recovery because it doesn't require you. They could be using like the the um, cold plunge or the sauna or the boots or something else. But then there's another room that's also for therapy that's not being used at the same time. Right. And what hours are you open?
1: On average, Roughly. 6 a.m. to 7 p.m.
0: So th- do you close at 7 or the last class is at 7? Close at 7. Okay. So you've got essentially 13, 12, 12 hours of classes. Six days a week? Yes. So essentially the maximum you could do currently with your schedule will be 72 classes. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're doing about 27. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a huge opportunity for you. We've talked about this before. I think it's a massive opportunity to figure out how do you break down your space and then the maximization of that space. I mean, in theory, I mean, the dream ideal world, which is probably never going to happen, is you'd have 72 classes running on one side of the building. You'd have the recovery room full all day long. You'd have the other massage therapeutic area full all day long. So if you really think about it, 72 hours in that room, 72 hours in the recovery, mm-hmm. the other, there's another section, 72 hours there, and then 72 classes. Right. It's a tremendous. I mean, it would more, I know you've mentioned that your short-term goal is like to double your revenue.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think this is your opportunity. Do you so agree?
1: Completely agree.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's I'm stopping so- you from doing it today? Other than the people we talk about, you need great people. And I know that's super mm-hmm. hard to find great people, especially in this space. I think it's really, really difficult to not, you got to find people that are all, they're skilled, mm-hmm. but also good with people. Exactly. Like they could be really, really smart and they could know everything about training, right. but if they're terrible with people to be really terrible for your business. Agreed. So I think it's really, I don't want to minimize the difficulty mm-hmm. of finding people beyond the people part. Mm-hmm. What's the next thing that needs to happen to be able to go to that, to increase your utilization of your capacity?
1: I think marketing, that's probably the one area of my business that I've been very fortunate in. And it's the blessing is that it's word of mouth for me. So I really haven't, outside of working hard and creating a great experience, Mm -hmm. I haven't had to work really hard. At getting more and more people in the door yep. because I've created relationships with practitioners in the area with like families. And I've like rooted myself in the, you know, greater Phoenix area. So now I'm at that point where I'm like, okay, I need to work more on the business part, right? And not fight the clinician mindset and just work, 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 head down, which I'm very good at doing, but it's to be like, okay, how can I take my business to where I want it to be and get more people in the door? Because I know if that's the case, once people know what I offer and what I do, then to me, like myself or my trainers, like we don't have to like, totally sell somebody Mm -hmm. on it because they see the value based off maybe looking in the area, looking at competitors, you know, whatever it is. So it's just getting more people in the door in a less more like authentic way and more of like a targeted way.
0: I think every entrepreneur goes through this. Mm -hmm. I think you all, we all wear multiple hats. We do it ourselves. And then I think the real difference is the rate at which we decide to hire people. I think i I don't think I hired people fast enough when I started. I did all the jobs for far too long. And then even when I hired people, I still hired people too slow. And so I, I think that that's your, I've seen a growth in you, you and hiring people and bringing people on because the reality is you didn't need marketing because you only needed to get to your constraint, which was your time. Mm-hmm. And then you burn yourself out a little bit because you're working too, too many hours. And then you're like, okay, well, how do I take it from me working all these hours to shifting to me working and maybe, supervising other people or working on the business or bringing the pieces together, it's almost like you, you level up and you become, you know, you're, you're not just the chef who's doing all of the cooking. You're going to be the master chef. Who's having a sous chef underneath them. And is going to have other people helping them, other chefs working on other, you know, baking or, uh, and I know nothing about cooking. I do not know why I'm using that analogy. I'm terrible <laughs> at cooking, but, uh, but that kind of concept that you need to elevate yourself so that you can have other people to manage. And I it's interesting. It's it's so easy for me to, or anybody to, that's been doing business for a long time to see it from a third party. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's almost a little frustrating because I see it and I'm like, Sean, all you have to do is this and this and you can double your revenue. Like your goal is double your revenue. And then your real goal is to build this business like it feels like you're right there. Oh. Do you feel like you're right there?
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like my roots in the area more than ever where people are starting to like recognize what mm. I do and be like, oh, I know. And I'm familiar or like, tell me more. Yeah. Or like, you know, a lot of my friends go there or have had good experiences, whatever it is. So I just know that I just need to be more intentional with what I'm doing. And I do appreciate having people who aren't in it. I'm always like asking advice reflecting, asking different people, even my clients, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Because I'm so heavy in it Mm -hmm. that I think sometimes it blinds you from like, okay, let's step back and let's look at it. And I want it to be a business, right? Or, you know, if I wanted to be self-employed. Perfectly. Okay. But that's obviously, I want it to be something where it'll be a greater impact. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that business side of it is really what I need to focus on.
0: And I think this is the challenge most entrepreneurs have, they have a skill set. They're a plumber, they're an electrician, they do countertops, Mm -hmm. and then they go and they start a business. Mm -hmm. And like, well, I know how to do this trade or this skill really well but I don't really know how to do the accounting and the sales and marketing and the hiring and all the other steps that are required to build a a self-managing company. Something that doesn't require you to be there every hour. I remember when you first had someone coming in in the morning that you didn't have to be there at the 6am class. And you were like, Oh my God, I don't have to be there every morning at 6am. What a relief. I get to actually sleep in a seven or eight. It's crazy. So I, I think that We, we all go through that process. It's just the rate at which we decide to do that. One thing I, one belief that I have around this is that the rate at which you adapt and evolve has to do a lot with confidence. Mm -hmm. And so I think you've got a lot of confidence in your skills and what you're doing, but because a lot of this other stuff is new, Mm -hmm. like I've seen you grow so much that it's now, it's just like, I'm going to do this. If I figure this out, I'll do this. Mm -hmm. I'll kind of do this in a sequential manner. Right. And now all you're, you're really, you're super close to doubling your business. Like we should, you should walk out of here today with three action steps to be able to double your business in the next six months. Like, I feel like this is a no brainer to me. And partially because I know the situation and I've talked to you for a long time about this. But I think that if you actually had a little bit of a focus on the target marketing, you, you planted seeds over the last seven years mm-hmm. in the community, mm-hmm. right? And you've done all the hard work. Mm-hmm. Now you just got to go harvest that. Mm-hmm. And so now all you need to do is a little bit of target marketing and bringing that and making it, we talked about this before, but low friction, make it easy for people to sign up, make it easy for people to refer a friend, just help them become top of mind and help you become top of mind to them so they can refer people in and make it just smooth and seamless. So it's just an unbelievable experience. And I think you create that when they come in. Mm -hmm. But we've got to be able to translate that to the people that haven't been in before. Mm -hmm. And they come in. I I was using this example at at Coach the other day about um, my daughter's uh, orthodontist. Mm -hmm. My wife takes them most of the time. Uh, I just go for the highlights, like they're taking the braces off. That was the one time I went (laughs) for Dylan. So I took Dylan. You know, the big day. It's the big day. We had to take the braces off. I'll go. I'll take her. I got her this time. So we hadn't. She had switched orthodontist to the same one that Riley was using it's local one team ortho here and I had never been there and I was and I heard it was great I was absolutely blown away like I've been raving about this orthodontist now and I went one time like you walk in and they had a sign a chalkboard with celebrating each kid that was getting their braces off or getting their braces on and then you walk in there's two women there to meet you and there's a plan and it's it's all like it's a, an experience and then it's, there's limited waiting. There's tons of waiting space. You go back, and it's, a, it's like a machine. It's like a, a well-oiled machine where they're now working on this. Now they're going to do, oh, you know what? We'll have your retainers ready this afternoon. Come back this afternoon. You already have an appointment. You get your braces off in the morning. You get your retainers on it. There was a woman standing there managing all of the people doing the work and just there with a, an iPad ready to roll to make sure everything was on time and they needed everything they, they needed. And I was like, wow. This is an experience and I he's been doing it for 25 years and it took him a long time to build that, but it became so obvious to me. Like, and I've heard good things about him, but like, why wouldn't I tell everybody to go there? It was just easy. Right. It was easy and obvious to me. And it was interesting because I was in a uh, strategic coach the other day and a guy was talking, there's 40 entrepreneurs in there from all over the world. And he was talking about how difficult his business was. And he's like, I'm, a, I'm an orthodontist. And I said, okay. And I said, well, let me tell you my experience. And I said, I live in Phoenix. I started telling him the same thing. He goes, yeah, I'm an orthodontist in Phoenix. And I was like, oh, this is a small world Probably one of your competitors. But I explained the story. He's oh, I know that guy. And, I was like, he's, and then we talked after the, the group session. He's yeah, he's been there 25 years. I said, yeah, but he built an experience. I don't care if he's been there a week or 25 years. That is unbeatable. Like everybody I know tells everybody to go there. So you have to build that in your own area. I wouldn't go compete with them. I'm just saying in the area, you already have clinics, just go build that. And it becomes something that not only brings in new people, but it's also, and you have already have a great retention rate, I think. So you don't lose people, but it just creates that uh, cycle mm-hmm. where you're bringing in new people, bringing new people. and it allows you to be a little pickier with who you want because you don't really want everybody. Let's be honest.
1: Exactly. <laughs> new, new, I've learned that. That yes. is like the one fundamental thing I've learned.
0: Yeah. It's tough as, as a new business owner. You're like, you take everybody. Like I need customers. I need somebody. I need someone to buy this. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, it, it, very quickly, you learn like, oh, some people are a little bit more of a pain in the butt mm-hmm. than they're worth. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather not have them because they could spoil the culture of, especially in a small group session. I mean, you get one person that can ruin the session for everybody that's there. I'm sure. So avoiding that. So I feel like, the next step for you on the sales and marketing side, because you've got the word of mouth down, mm-hmm. which is really hard to build. You've gone the hard way first. Now, the easy way is the digital marketing, right? So the steps I think you should take to the Google marketing is you got to make sure and maybe you already are. Are you, do you have Google My Business for your business?
1: I do, but I, I need to look back up. Do you have any reviews?
0: Up.
1: I think I, I have some reviews, maybe. A of reviews? Maybe 10. 10 I reviews? I at double, okay. okay, yeah. double digits. Okay, double
0: digits. So, people
1: are very thorough in their review, which I'm fortunate about. But that's I, great. Think, I think there's power in numbers. <laughs>
0: I mean, I, I think you've got enough clients that you could probably get some more yeah. reviews. Yeah. So the next step would be, how do I create? Like, you become the, um, you want to become like a category of one. So in this local area, and people probably don't drive more than I would, maybe 10 to 15 miles to go to a gym. Does that seem about reasonable?
1: That's probably would... average fare. Okay. I have a different experience with that, okay. but that's but. Probably ten miles. Above ten miles, people will start to question. Got it. Right, and even then, I mean, living in like the area we live in, like some people just don't want to cross the freeway. Yes, so. yes, it's five
0: miles from them. So, yeah, but but right. I think that's your radius, right? So you take a you take your location, mm-hmm. draw a ten mile radius mm-hmm. around that location, and that's your Google My Business, and you become the category of one. You become the default. Mm-hmm. Right. For your category. And then everybody else is a, is a, you know, a chain or something not like you're offering. And so you own that space and you become the default. And to do that, you need to, you could up your reviews to more than 10 or 12 and you go for like a hundred or 200 Mm -hmm. so that you become like, we do this in our space. I'll go look at a new category and there'll be somebody so dominant that I don't want to play in it. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to participate. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the old, the old story about why you get a you put a sign out front for security. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm not – it sounds callous. I'm not looking to prevent them to come in. I just want them to go to my neighbor's house instead of mine. Yeah, that's exactly. all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make it – just don't choose my house. Mm-hmm. Choose the neighbor's house who doesn't have a sign or a dog barking at them. And that's what you're trying to do is you're trying to build that category run for your area that someone that's going to compete with you mm-hmm. and might be good or might be bad, we don't know – Go move, go somewhere else, Mm -hmm. pick a different location. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're so close to getting there, Mm -hmm. but a little bit of direct marketing. So I do Google my business. I would do some SEO. And then we've talked about this a little bit before, but um, obviously Google AdWords and then Facebook ads Mm -hmm. and utilize your customized audience of happy uh, customers to utilize them to help grow your business for you. And I think most of your customers care about you to help you. And that will help you. You just have to make it easy for them.
1: Makes
0: sense. It's like when somebody asks to write a review and I'm like, well, what do you mean to say? Like, should I talk about anything particular? Like make it simple, mm-hmm. make it simple for them. Say to what you want them to talk about. So I think that's a, you're right there on that, mm-hmm. but you got to free up some of your time to do that. Or you have to hire a who that actually knows how to do it already, which takes a little bit of time to fire them too. But if you found that person, mm-hmm. and this is what the interesting part, you have capacity, mm-hmm. So now you need more people mm-hmm. to work for you, and you need more clients. So, which one of those two would be a better forcing function for you? Would it force you to do more sales and marketing if you hired more people, or if you did more sales and marketing, would it force you to hire more people?
1: Hmm.
0: Which would be better for you? What would you, which would make you take action faster?
1: Probably the first one, because if I hire people, right, I'm putting money out, mm-hmm. and I want to get that money back. So, like in that. But I think in my logical, the way I've been true to my roots and how I've grown Mm -hmm. is if I can market more and show the need for it, then I will gladly hire more people.
0: Would you feel more confident if the marketing worked,
1: then you go hire people
0: versus if you hire people? I'm not sure if the market, I haven't done it yet. Absolutely. So what my takeaway then is you're going to go do more, more marketing. And so I think. The marketing is is an easy aspect for you to focus on. And then the next thing I would talk about is like financials. Mm -hmm. So do you have a bookkeeper?
1: I actually recently in the last probably four months hired a CPA who also is helping me with my bookkeeping. So he's helping me create systems that I can... Set up. So we're we're in the midst of that, which is pretty straightforward. I use some of the more online software systems. QuickBooks
0: and stuff. Yeah, QuickBooks, yeah. Okay. And I mean you don't have that many revenue sources. You've got some retail sales and mm-hmm. then you've got memberships,
1: right? Correct. Okay. And my probably more of the passive like sauna infrared sauna, all the recovery tools. Um, Are those
0: memberships though, or one offs?
1: Um, both. Okay. So monthly packages yeah, and weapons.
0: So I am fascinated about pricing. Mm-hmm. And so you and I have talked about this a few times, but to share with everybody else, how do you how did you think about pricing before? And when I say pricing, individual items, uh, individual experiences uh, or memberships, how do you think about it before? And then how do you think about it now?
1: So I always obviously wanted values. A huge thing for me mm-hmm. is I want people to feel like their money is going like they're getting more than what they're paying. So I, in the very beginning, I had six person classes. So I just calculated out, okay, what's my like hourly. And then I want to make that if I have six people in a class.
0: I'm fascinated by the, the pricing and how to determine, do you price uh, a class at a certain price or do you price a membership at a certain price? So tell me about where you started, what your mindset was when you first started as a business owner around pricing, because it's, it's not obvious how you want to price things. How did you think about it in the beginning?
1: In the beginning, I looked at it as I started with six-person classes, and I looked at it as how much do I want to make hourly if I had a full class, and then I kind of broke it down from there. So I started with like $10 $10 a class per person, and I've incrementally gone up. But part of that and what we've talked about is creating more value and making it more of a monthly format versus like a per session amount. Um, so that just means instead of paying for X amount of classes a month, I ha- I've rolled it into trying to start like more of an unlimited membership style plan where not only do they have access to my classes, but then they have access to like my entire recovery side.
0: And I think that's Thanks. great. It, that felt like an obvious decision for you because mm-hmm. of your mission right. You want everybody to be all about wellness mm-hmm. and you want to provide all the value you can If somebody's using it, once a week, once every three weeks. Mm-hmm. Not that you don't want to help them. Right. It's just they're not probably an ideal fit for your business model because they are just going to use it a la carte, maybe per se. So not that you don't want to have some of those people, especially if they're a great influence in the in the community, mm-hmm. um, and in the group classes, but I mean, I think that you really want to move towards, I mean, ideally, you want everybody on an unlimited. Is that fair to say?
1: Absolutely. Because
0: you'd want them fully utilizing the services so they get the value out of it. All in. Okay. And so I think you've made significant improvements already on the membership. Mm -hmm. And I think there's always some little probably tweaks there where you could make a a little bit more uh, revenue and still have more value to people. The one I want to talk about in particular was the InBody. Tell us about the InBody machine you got a couple years ago.
1: So it's a medical grade body composition machine. It's pretty well known now. A lot of different facilities have it. But it allows you to have a 45-second screening of uh, head-to-toe of what your body is comprised of, so muscle mass, um, fat, water, everything under the sun, as well as it gives you target—based on those numbers, it gives you target numbers for, like, your basal metabolic rate as well as your visceral fat and things like that. So it's, um, it's really cohesive. Although it's not like gold standard, like going in for a DEXA scan, but it still is like it gives us a really good information. And it takes you away from more of like the number on the scale and gives us really concrete information and like things we can like really look towards and do and see if those inputs are creating the outputs we want um, in a in a real time setting. So I purchased it and it's not an expensive machine. I think it costed me anywhere between like ten to twelve thousand dollars. Wow. Um, and you recommended at the time when well, you were, how are you going to oh, okay. charge? How are
0: you going to charge when you first bought it? You were like, I'm going to charge. How do you remember? I do.
1: I think I was going to charge like per session. Yeah. Correct.
0: Yeah. You're going to charge like $25 to use it. Cause that's what Dexascan does right for those people that aren't familiar. You go to a facility, they have a big machine that goes over your body, almost like an, MRI type Mm -hmm. of machine and it scans your body. And I think it's like $79 a a session. I've done it a few times here locally. And it's, it's the gold standard in body fat and in bone density. Mm -hmm. But I think you were thinking like, okay, I'm going to do kind of what they do. And I'm going to charge like $25 a session Mm -hmm. or something like that. I don't Mm -hmm. remember the exact dollar amount. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about it. and You said you decided to change your mind. Mm -hmm. And what did you do instead?
1: Um, I decided to add it to people's memberships Mm -hmm. and, pretty much increased their monthly membership. So it like was 5
0: bucks a month or something, it was something $10. $10 a month. It's mm-hmm. small. Yeah. Okay.
1: So small for, if you look again in the area, like it's, you know, your competitors and you're looking at how much people are charging per session. Yep. It ranged anywhere between 25 upwards of $50. And you're charging whether it's $10 right or a month. Correct.
0: And they use as much as they want.
1: Uh, More or less. Yeah.
0: More or less. Okay.
1: <laughs> um. Anyways, but that, yeah, so I decided to do it that way and then give people an opt-out option just because it wasn't part of their initial terms. Um, but,
0: How many people opted out?
1: Oh, probably five. Out of? 50.
0: So 10%. Yeah. But I remember having this conversation because the concern always – not always, as As entrepreneurs, we're afraid to charge more a lot of mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. And I think you were scared of That's like, nice. Oh my God, what if half the people don't want to do this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it fit with your mission. Mm-hmm. It fit that. I want you to, I want you to have a tool to be able to measure. That's why I mm-hmm. made this investment in this machine. Mm-hmm. And I want you to measure over time. Mm-hmm. And I want you to measure your skeletal muscle mass and your percentage body fat. I use it regularly. And got an app and it can track over time and Mm -hmm. I can see how things change relative Mm -hmm. to my behaviors. Mm -hmm. And I think it fit really well with your mission. And I think that's why it was such a great adoption rate of it. And a few of those people, I don't know them, but probably weren't the right fit for your studio anyway, Mm -hmm. for your gym. Maybe the people that said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to pay the 10 bucks. Maybe they aren't the perfect fit Mm -hmm. for them. But even if they are the perfect fit, it's still only 10% of the people said, no, I don't want to do that.
1: Absolutely. And people are showing up. To your gym, especially group fitness in general, showing up for different reasons. Yeah. And some people want to know that they have a gym membership and they're coming, but they're not that committed to seeing those numerical changes and those yeah. numbers so it's you know you
0: we call them planet fitness members <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've uh i've made fun of planets F- because there's not it's there's not, not
1: that there's many no people there. there's no it's, one there
0: it's no one there i mean it's it's honestly it's a genius business model i wish i would have thought of it you just charge nine dollars a month to a bunch of people that don't come it's the greatest business model of all time they just they target people that want to say they have a membership but don't go to the gym yeah I mean, what a genius – just pay me for nothing. Right. That's amazing. We'll have cookies on Fridays, donuts on Fridays at the gym. It's just a beautiful model. So uh, different business model. But um, I think that is – okay, so when you thought – then that was your thinking originally. Then Mm -hmm. you switched over to that. You got a huge adoption rate. Mm -hmm. And then that has more than paid for the machine, especially on a monthly basis, right, compared to the payment. Yeah. Um, So I think those are the kind of little tweaks around the Mm -hmm. financial side of things that – I say they're little, not that they're inconsequential in the way you think about them, mm-hmm. but they can be small changes. We do this all the time in e-commerce where we might change a price of a product on Amazon a couple dollars and it can have a significant impact, either positive or negative, uh, to the sales volume because it's such a dynamic environment. And I think the same thing happens with, you know, offline businesses. Uh, I find that most of the time entrepreneurs are afraid to charge. They're afraid to charge because they're afraid people are going to freak out. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, when they charge more, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you'll have a few, mm-hmm. but you just it doesn't happen. So I think you've done an excellent job of maximizing kind of the revenue in in relation to the value that you're creating for everybody. You know, you've brought in the cold plunge, the sauna, the the boots, the uh, red light therapy. So you're bringing in and constantly adding more value to them, so they feel like they're getting more value at the same and the in body at the same time. While they might be paying a little bit more than they paid in the past. And not even including, you know, the normal inflation that, that we're experiencing in the economy. Mm-hmm. So what's the next step for you now? What are you going to do next? So you've got, we've kind of laid out a few things. I want to wrap this up with like, what are you, actions are you going to take now? Because I'm probably going to hold you accountable now for after our this conversation. Is good.
1: This is good. Everyone so, needs an accountability yes, partner.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. I'm your accountability partner. Cool. What are you going to do next? Based on what we've talked about today, what do you think the obvious... Easiest things for you to take action on mm-hmm. to get you a goal. Well, first of all, let's take a step back. Mm-hmm. When do you want to double revenue by?
1: I mean, you said six months,
0: right? Yeah, I said six months. Yeah, is that good? Are you comfortable with that?
1: Yeah,
0: that's a reasonable. Okay, so let's go. Uh, let's write that down. Uh, let's go April, April first, mm-hmm. April first. So we'll get. I'll give you an extra month. So April the, 2nd, month, of maybe April, April the month of April, the month of April, April Fool's Day, the month of April double the revenue you're at right now. So 40,000 in the month of April, approximately 40,000 okay. the month of April in 2024. Let's do. It. How does that feel when I say that? How do you feel about that? Exciting. Okay. And right.
1: And a little nervous. I mean, okay. right.
0: What makes you feel nervous?
1: I think part of it is that I'm trying to work on my business. So my mindset is I have to be in it grinding away mm. in the like hour to hour ratio in order to get there where I know my like business sense knows better than that that if I step away to create you know better systems and create capacity in other ways that one for me longevity isn't be great but also my total monthly income will increase significantly for sure (laughs) I mean a lot of people
0: struggle with that because like if I'm if I'm a solopreneur and I'm creating revenue it's all to me Mm -hmm. well then I have to pay other people to do work and so I'm not going to make a much of a percentage, mm-hmm. right, margin, but I am going to make more money at the bottom line of the dollar mm-hmm. because I'm going to be paying people. I'm getting leverage, essentially, and building a team. So, all right, so let's work backwards from that. Six months from now, $40,000, mm-hmm. we are there. Yeah. What has to happen for that to, to happen in uh, April of 2024? What needs to happen over the next six months for that to happen?
1: More people in the door.
0: Okay, Because we think that maybe a few more people might convert to more unlimited. Correct. Some of that. Correct. But if we back into it, the answer is we really need more people. Absolutely. Okay. So what are we going to do to get more people?
1: I'm going to hit more of the digital marketing space. Okay. So the Google. Okay. The other ones you mentioned.
0: And how good are you at that on a scale of one to 10, would you say?
1: If I'm taught. Yes. I'm really good.
0: Agreed. Where are I you can... at today? <laughs>
1: Uh, like three, four. Yes. Okay. I need. So, a, I think so I need a person. We you need a person. Me? Yes. <laughs> we need
0: a who to do this for you for sure. Right. So this is the lesson I've learned over oh. and over and over again. As I dive mm-hmm. into things or people on the team dive into things to try to learn it. You're more than capable of learning something mm-hmm. and getting really good at it mm-hmm. in your five free hours a week that you have now. Okay, probably not a recipe over the next mm-hmm. six months. We don't have enough time to do that. Right. So I think the priority for you should be finding somebody, the who, mm-hmm. that has already done exactly what you're looking to do from a marketing local business mm-hmm. perspective, hiring that person in a giving them a very short window to succeed. So it's a one-month trial. It's not a six-month – you're not signing up for six months. It's a one-month trial with a clear deliverable for you. And you have to determine what that looks like. But if we reverse engineer where you need to be, uh, I'll do some quick math. You basically need about another, would you say, 75 clients? Does that sound about right to you if I say that? About another 75 new clients if you didn't do any. How many clients do you have right now? Let's just go over that.
1: Um, In the group fitness realm, I have probably about, Fluctuate. Some yeah, people like course. jump in and out like 60 to 70. Okay. And then with my one-on-one, some of those are back, uh, privates and groups. I, I'm probably over, that pushes me over a hundred.
0: But we can't double your privates. Correct. Okay. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. But we could have employees, mm-hmm. trainers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: matching your performance or doubling your performance on the one-on-ones, mm-hmm. on one-on-ones. So mm-hmm. you need to basically double the number of people in your group
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you probably need to
1: add more classes,
0: add more classes mm-hmm. and you need to double the one-on-ones,
1: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm.
0: So to do that, I think you need more sales and marketing, which will be a forcing function for you. So find the who mm-hmm. that can help you with that. Then that will require you to hire more people. And if you hire more people, then you're going to be able to service them. And it creates a little bit of a cycle, right? Because a lot of these people you're gonna be hiring, I'm assuming have no people Absolutely. in the area, they know people in their space. So they'll probably bring some clients with them. Mm-hmm. So how do we scale up that way? And so you progressively scale up through the next six months. How does that feel? Feels great. Feel doable?
1: Mm-hmm. It feels doable? I feel completely doable.
0: Great. Okay. So what are you gonna do today?
1: I'm going to take a look at my Google We're business. See how many
0: reviews. We, okay. Right, how, many reviews how many reviews I have. Reviews like, we look have. at all
1: of my network channels and see how many reviews great. where I could add on and create something that I can send out to people to make it easier for them to Love complete it. the review. Love it. And then also maybe with finding somebody who can help me with um, like the targeted marketing and things like that. So.
0: How, do you know how to find that person?
1: No. Do you? Okay.
0: I mean, what I typically do is I just, Mm -hmm. I contact everybody. I know my network that would know that person. So in my business, I would contact all my friends that have utilized a service provider like that in Mm -hmm. the past. So I would reach out to anybody that's done what you do or companies you've worked for in Mm -hmm. the past and say, Hey, who do you hire for this? Or who have you hired that's done a great job that you would recommend? Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to curate from other people who've already had this experience Mm -hmm. than just going on Google and trying to. Curate on your own. It's it's very, very difficult. So I would shorten that window by asking people you trust Mm -hmm. of who they hired to do that. And that will speed it up dramatically. So that would be my first step is just make those calls. And I don't wouldn't email them. I would call them and say, I need your help. Mm -hmm. I I need your help. Leave a little voice message Mm -hmm. and say, Hey, it's Shauna. I've been thinking about you. I need your help with one thing, and only you can help me. And then hang up. And I bet they call back. And then the, ask them the question, how can I uh, How can I uh, find the person or have you worked with anybody like this in the past? And then interview a couple of those people mm-hmm. and tell them, you want a one-month trial and you want to go fast. And if they do a good job, this will turn into a longer-term engagement. Okay. And take action. Any questions? I feel excited. I'm, I'm excited. This I get excited about no, this I'm, stuff. I'm so excited. I get excited. super pumped up about yeah. this.
1: No, I'm super excited. It makes me... Yeah, it's exactly what I want, and I know I'm at that like really pivotal place, you know. The always it's like that five year mark, but for mm-hmm. me, I just am never settled. So this is great because I can take, you know, having the guidance of someone like you, right? That is always like in my ear every week. Like, what are you doing? What are you this? What are that? Right? Because mm-hmm. it's easy to get sucked into your day to day. Of course, it just is what it is.
0: But you're you're, com- you're comfortable. You're making yeah. you a great living. You have a great yeah. life, and so it's comfortable to be like, okay, I'm just gonna yeah. keep doing what I'm doing, right? Mm-hmm. But then, you're, but then, that Don't doesn't worry. lead to your your vision, right? right? So if we take it, you know, one step further, that gets you next. So mm-hmm. we're gonna have you on in April again, mm-hmm. and we're gonna get your numbers. I think at the end of April, we should it. have yeah. a conversation about what your numbers are for April right. and see where you're at. Sounds. So we're gonna put a little pressure on you there, and then we're gonna get to how do we get to the next step, which is getting to that. And I think you'll see the confidence grow as you start mm-hmm. to get the, the build the cycle, right? The feedback yes. loop. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about like, OK, what's the next step for me to go to the next leap of building my mm-hmm. dreams, my dream business, which is pure wellness. How do I get to that? What does that look like? And how can I start building that out so that I can live that and be a part of that and deliver that kind of value mm-hmm. over the next year, or year and a half?
1: That's great. I'm excited. Yeah, it's good. I'm super pumped. This is the first step.
0: This is the first step. You've already done, actually, if you think about it, you've already done the first five steps.
1: Agreed. You've already done most.
0: You've done zero to one, I think, is the hardest part about being an entrepreneur. What's
1: zero to one for
0: you? Zero to one is just getting up and running and getting to a sustainable business Mm -hmm. where you're making money and you're kind of in that comfort Mm -hmm. stage where you've got a great life Mm -hmm. and you're living a great life. Mm -hmm. And now taking it to the next step mm-hmm. is easier in most cases mm-hmm. than the zero to one part because you're learning so much. Right. And now we just covered there's only a few things for you to actually learn. And in this case, we're hopefully just going to hire those people to help mm-hmm. you with it. Mm-hmm. And then you're more of the uh, conductor and you're more conducting who does what and where and where they go. Yeah,
1: makes complete
0: sense. I'm super excited. Yay, so fun. thanks for coming done. in. And uh, as always, if I can help with anything, let me know. But uh, mm-hmm. I really appreciate coming in and sharing your business with us.
1: Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. Thank
0: you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe, leave a review and share with friends. Visit I'm the and ask me anything. And as always, stay curious and never stop becoming the one.